It's the Dr. Rick Podcast, where internationally renowned orthopedist Dr. Richard Lehman cuts through the clutter and brings you unbiased real science and unfiltered information to guide your family. Hello again, everybody. I'm Bob Ramsey, alongside, of course, Dr. Rick Lehman. Well, Doc, it's uh, first of all, hello, and we've already gone through Thanksgiving and we're knee deep in holiday stuff, which gets us <laughs> to our are really a point of this podcast and how diet, society, tradition, and all these things sort of conspire against us. It's a tough time of the year to stay fit. You know, I think, I think the average person gains somewhere between eight and 10 pounds over the holidays and there generally is no plan. And I think that's the biggest problem that we have. So we go from party to party or we eat a great deal and then we repent and go to the gym and get onto a cycle that A is unhealthy and B is not sustainable. And then at the end of the day, we have weight gain. And then January 1st, everybody shows up at the gym and we do this every year. So I, I think you're 100% right. I think some of it's social. Yes, you're going to have Christmas. Yes, you're going to have Thanksgiving. Yes, you're going to have parties. And some of it's a lack of planning. And I think that lack of planning is what gets us into trouble. Yeah, you know, our producer, Joe Roderick, um, uh, is a marathoner. He's a healthy guy. He does everything he can to eat right. But he talked about how he and, and people he knows who, who try to do the right thing get caught in a starve binge, kind of a ping pong match, starving and then punishing themselves and binging. And that can be, oh, dangerous might be overstating it, but it's certainly um, you're working against yourself. Well, you know, number one, it's not healthy. And number two, it, it's counterintuitive to how you lose weight. So when you start, when you do the starve phase of the starve and the binge, your body sees that you're not eating and it's going to try to retain every calorie. So, so that's the, 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 the starving part. And then you eat a great deal and your body's absorbing all that great deal because it is still at the starve mode. So that's a very tough way to lose weight. Not sustainable, of course. And maybe more importantly, um, you end up gaining weight. So I think when you think of, of, again, the holidays, the best thing to do, and you know, people don't generally do this, is to sit down and say, okay, it's Halloween. And this is, and this is my schedule. And this is how I'm going to attack this schedule. I'm going to work out these days. Uh, I'm going to go to this party. I'm going to have, you know, this amount of food. I'm going to have this amount of drinks. I'm going to work out the next day. And I'm going to try to not deviate too much. What we do is we get into impulsive eating and then we regret. And then, as you said, then we, we try to starve and then we're starving. So then we go to the next party and we're so hungry, we eat everything, you know, 51 <laughs> Oreos and some Christmas cookies and eggnog, and then we're back on the same cycle. So how about my Thanksgiving plan that I just executed? A little piece of a little piece of white meat turkey. Okay, some mashed potatoes. Yeah, I had a little gravy and butter. Okay. A little bit, small amount of dressing, a little bit of peas. Okay. It's great. But the reason I did that is so I could have a big wedge of pumpkin pie. And really, you couldn't see the pie from the homemade whipped cream. 
So that's not really a good plan either, is it? Well, it's not a terrible plan because because you're 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 mitig- you're understanding that it's a little bit of a give and take. So if you said, "What's the perfect thing to eat in Thanksgiving?" It's to eat all the turkey you want because turkey doesn't have any calories, high protein. It's going to put you to sleep, but that's okay. <laughs> um, eat all of the salad you want, the green beans, the greens, all you want. Go crazy. Uh, have a smaller piece of pie and no one to quit when you're full quit. And the problem with Thanksgiving is, and, and you know, we've all been to a lot of Thanksgivings. Everybody says the same, same thing. Well, I'm stuffed, you know, so people eat until they can't eat anymore. And, and, and as opposed to saying, this is how much I'm going to eat. And when I get to that, uh, I'm going to quit. And, and so everything was good. And, and, you know, you, you, if you did that and you didn't eat any more and you had your big piece of pie and all, all the whipped cream, you're still ahead of the game. The problem then is seconds and thirds. And then three or four hours later, because your insulin's crashed, um, go and eat more. And then, and that's where we get into trouble. So I want to circle back to the fitness part of this because everybody's going to talk fitness with their new year's resolution. But right now when we're right in the eating part of it, I want to talk about a, a couple of other very closely related topics in one about some weight loss drugs that are gaining some traction. Tell me, you know, my fear is just as a layman, uh Oh, Quick fix. Everybody's going to go for the quick fix. Tell me what we're learning with these new drugs. Well, you know, we've never really had great drugs that were safe. And, and I don't know that these drugs are 100% safe, but they're called GLP drug one drugs. And, and they're basically drugs that were initially uh, approved for diabetes. And what they're doing is they're um, controlling your appetite, controlling your insulin response. And people are for sure losing weight on these drugs. The generic name is semiglutide, Ozempic. You see ads for them, and they certainly work. What are the downsides? Well, the big downside is costs. It's very expensive. And generally, your insurance company is not going to cover you for weight loss. But, you know, if you're overweight and it's a health issue and you really want to try to lose weight, it's a very reasonable way to do it. Some of the new studies are showing us that there are some side effects that people are identifying that are problematic. And the big one is loss of taste for food. So let's say you just loved uh, orange icicles or you love pasta or you had a a love for a certain kind of filet mignon. And all of a sudden, when you went to the restaurant, you just felt like, okay, I don't want that. This just doesn't taste good to me. It doesn't sound good to me. I couldn't eat that. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people that now have turned off sort of their taste buds. And because of that, their um, love for certain kinds of foods, oh, I always love that pumpkin pie, kind of goes by the wayside. And what we don't know is is that's going to come back once they get off the drug. So that's one problem. Um, The cost we talked about is a little bit of a problem. And then sugar control, insulin control. You don't want to take too much and then have your, your insulin drop out. So those are the big issues. But in terms of weight loss, it's probably the most successful um, drug we've ever seen for weight loss. So two questions about the weight loss drugs. One is, is the program with these drugs, I got to take it forever? Is it like steroids where you cycle on, cycle off? 
What what's the long term? Let's say I'm 40 and I'm, you know, 30 pounds overweight. What's my what what does it look like when I'm in my 50s and my 60s and my 70s? So so without the drug, you're probably going to gain somewhere between three and five pounds a year, oh. something like that. So so at 40, you're going to be 30 pounds overweight. And at 50, you know, you're going to be 50 pounds overweight or 45 pounds overweight. You're going to get bigger. Now, you brought on you, you brought up a question that is that right now um, the answer is yes, you cannot go off the drugs, i.e. when you start on these these drugs, semi-glutide type drugs, and there's a number of them, and you're going to see a lot more of them because they're successful and chain and, and you're going to see, you know, copycat kinds of drugs that come out that are very similar, but they're going to do basically the same thing. They're going to control your glucose. They're going to be diabetic type, diabetic type two drugs. But basically what they're going to be doing um, is marketing for weight loss. And based on that, if you stop taking the drug, so far, the research shows you're going to gain the weight back. So your answer to your question in short is yes. This is a lifetime of I got to keep taking the stuff. So with any drug, especially as you get older, when you start thinking about these things like me, you start thinking, <laughs> if I go now, I'm fit, I feel good, but, you know, will I grow a third arm out of my forehead when I'm 85? What, what do we think about the long, long-term effects if I think I'm going to be on this drug, even if I only do it for 10 years? But what if I do it for 40 years? Obviously, until we've done it for 40 years, we don't know for sure. What are the scientists and the docs guessing? Well, you know, it, it's a guess, and that's right. And so doctors don't really guess. Do doctors supposedly are scientists. Sometimes we right. are, sometimes we're not. But doctors don't really guess. So the answer to your question, if you pose it to the researchers, and I have, is we don't know. We have no idea what the long-term effects are. We're starting to see some early effects, i.e. loss of taste, Mm -hmm. or loss of cravings, loss of want for food. But, um, but, we, but, but, you know, are these cancer producers? Do they have long-term effects in genetics? You know, are, are they going to create some kind of uh, anemia? So there's all kinds of things that we don't know um, that, that we find out. You know, how long was NutraSweet on the market before somebody said, hey, NutraSweet was bad for you? So yeah. it, it, it is going to take many years to identify that. And then the trade-off is going to be, is it better to be 50 pounds overweight or is it better to have, you know, your taste buds not work or your hair to fall out or whatever, you know, what's, what's the yin yang going to be? And, and you, you asked the perfect question and, the, and there is no perfect answer, but the real answer is we don't know until we study it. But there's always concerns when you take something for a prolonged period of time. And, th and these are drugs right now we would say you can't get off of if you want to maintain the weight loss. So I want to go to one more uh, closely related topic. Hopefully when you're going to your parties this holiday season, you're getting good, fresh food, uh, well-prepared by a great chef and all those things. However, we know in America, we often and maybe almost always are eating processed foods. Isn't there a new look at processed foods and talk? Is there a, can we actually say addiction? To processed food, tell me what that's all about. So, so processed foods, you know, are are foods just like you said. They're in packages. They're ding dongs. They could be energy bars. They could be anything that has 
that that's taken the natural structure of food. So if you go to your garden and you pick a tomato, that's a tomato. If you go and you buy um, a frozen meal that has tomatoes in it, that's not really the same tomato. And so mm -hmm. they have to process that in a certain way that it has shelf life, that it's safe, it can't get listeria or any bacteria, etc. So processed foods, as we know, um, they come in packages and they taste great and they're, they're not from your garden they're not fresh you're not farm to table but but they're they're certainly mass produced and the studies will tell you um that processed foods have an are addictive and are addictive like smoking and and what what that means is you get a dopamine response okay when you eat a processed food and you get addicted to that dopamine response so somebody huh. who's eating processed foods every day you know, they're going to McDonald's and they're eating some processed Egg McMuffin every day. Uh, when they try to switch to go to kale and beans and uh, spinach and raw uh, vegetables or cooked vegetables, but fresh vegetables, they don't really serve that same addiction and they still want to have that processed food. And, and it, it, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's a dopamine response. And we also get it with our text messages. So the reason you're kind of addicted to your phone is the same thing. And that is when you get that text or that little ding, 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 you got an email or whatever it is, you get a dopamine response. And that's why many people um, spend 8, 10, 11 hours a day on their phone because they get an instant um, addictive response uh, from their phone, and that is the same addictive response you're going to get from cigarettes, the same addictive response you're going to get from sugar, and the same addictive response you're going to get from processed foods. And there's probably some component of sugar addiction in processed foods, but there's certainly a separate addiction as well. So when you eat those processed foods and you're used to it, your body craves them. That is fascinating. Uh, so several questions come to mind, but one is... Um, when you talk about specific chemicals. So let's talk about like uh, nicotine. So is it the dopamine response to the nicotine or is the nicotine itself addictive or is it both? It's a little of both, but the nicotine itself is addictive. Okay. Um, the, 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 the buzz is addictive. The dopamine response is a little bit of addictive as well, but the nicotine in and of itself is addictive. And the craving and the cessation of the craving is addictive. So you're dying to have the cigarette, right? And then you have the cigarette and it's like, oh my gosh, this just feels great. So that whole response is addictive. So it's not like, oh, I, I, I had this great response. You know, I saw the Grand Canyon and it was the most amazing thing. And I have to see it tomorrow. That, that's not an addictive response. What's an addictive response is I had a cigarette and three hours later, I'm craving a cigarette again. And the cessation of that craving feeds my addiction. And that's the same thing with your tech, your cell phone. That's the same thing with processed foods. That's the same thing with sugar. That's the same thing with cocaine. You get your whatever from your cocaine. But once that ebbs and flows, you know, you get your flow, you get your ebb, and then you want to get that, that response again that response in and of itself and that cycle is addictive. I thought you made a, a, a so that led me to my, my next question, my real question. And that is, and I, I love the example you used of the egg McMuffin. 
And no, not casting any aspersions on McDonald's or any other fast food folks. I'm like every other American. I go for it. But when I do go for it, I know it's not great. It's crap. But it's so tasty. And that probably goes to that dopamine thing you're talking about. But since it's not a specific chemical that we are addicted to, can we trick ourselves, hypnotize ourselves, train ourselves to get dopamine from an organic banana and, and some kale juice for breakfast? Well, we, we, we can't, um, but, but we can stop the addictive response to certain, certain substances. So you can quit smoking. And things are going to get easier. There's a new pill coming out that's going to almost uh, alleviate people that want to quit smoking and take away the whole uh, nicotine um, habit response. Um, and there are there are medicines, Nicorette, gum, pills, etc. You know that have helped in the past with these. Um, and and some foods are addicting. So people that are addicted to carbohydrates and sugar you know, feel bad. So if, if you're used to a high carbohydrate diet and you say, I'm not going to eat carbohydrates for three days, it's not that you're just going to want, you know, a candy bar. You're going to feel physically bad. You're going to get a headache. It's a, it's like people that drink a lot of coffee and don't have the caffeine. How do they right. feel? They get a headache. They, and, and you're going to get that same um, physical objective response. And so based on that, going to kale and, and fruit juices, et cetera, uh, isn't going to fulfill that. Now, the problem is to date, we don't think that those foods trigger the same dopamine response. So you're not going to get high off the kale or the beans like you're going to get high off of your Hershey's bar, your egg McMuffin, or that bag of Doritos. So whatever it is in that process that, that hits our body, um, We've got to figure a way, if not to reverse it, because it's a real thing. You can't magically make it go away. But it wouldn't be great if Dr. Lehman came up with a way to make kale give us a buzz. <laughs> Absolutely. And so if we could, so, so that's going to be, you know, if we can um, genetically engineer food that we think are more healthy and we can make them a little less processed and we can engender that same kind of response, uh, that will work. Now, there is there is some middle ground, and, and that's nuts. So some people will eat peanuts, salty nuts, roasted nuts, etc. And you, you get a little bit of a dopamine response from the roasted, from the dry roasted, from the salt, especially if there's a little sweetness with them. So there's some middle ground. But the key is, is certain products are, are extremely um, self-addictive. And, and the people making processed foods aren't stupid, so they're going to put that in your processed right. food so you'll keep eating it. You know, and just, just like your phone, someone figured this out and said, okay, text messages, ding, 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 email, whatever. Um, and, 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 you know, you don't think about it, but that kind of gets you a little excited. Hey, I got an email. I got a text. I want to see what this is. And so that same mental neurologic response, which has been well studied. This isn't, this isn't about your phone or the egg McMuffin or the chocolate or the sugar or the processed food. This is about your brain. This is your brain's response to stimuli. Well studied, um, 
well understood. And so if you can retrain your brain. Pavlovian? Is, just it, like, is it even Pavlovian? It's definitely Pavlovian, 100%. So is if you can retrain your brain, go gotcha. ahead. Okay. No, then, no, I just wanted, you, I was trying to, I was trying to make it clear, yeah. But that's exactly what it is. So, so it's your positive response. So if I pat you on the back and say, hey, Bob, you know, that was an unbelievable dinger you just hit. You get a little excited. Next time you're at bat, you're like, oh, you know, I've got to hit a dinger. I mean, I'm getting a little excited. I'm getting positive feedback. And that's what a Pavlovian response is. So if we can train the brain to get a positive response from the, the, the energy of eating a good thing, or doing an exercise. So the people that love exercise, right? What they do is they get a positive response, a, a dopamine response from the exercise. The people that hate exercise don't get any dopamine response. In fact, they hate it. So they have a negative response. So if you want to keep me. someone, <laughs> so if you want someone, you know, to be healthy, you want to make the gym a positive response. And, and that, that, you know, that's why certain types of classes work and certain types of exercises work and certain types of exercises don't work. So I said, hey, Bob, let's go to the gym and let's row for two hours. I think most people would be like, oh, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. But a 35 minute class where, you know, someone's up there doing all these crazy things and music's playing, everyone's having a good time. You know, that that's an enjoyable process. So let's put a big red Christmas bow on this whole thing. During this holiday season, from now through uh, through New Year, uh, when you decide that you've you've messed up despite Doctor Rick's instructions, <laughs> and you got to get to the gym and start all over again, that's okay. We'll talk about that after New Year's Day, after your after your hangover's over. We're, but but put a bow on it. It sounds like some of the some of the other topics we talk about. Think it through and have a plan. Have a plan. You, you, you know, you know, it's always a tough time of year and, you know, you always have regret come January 1st. And you know how you know that? Because when you go to the gym, there's four times as many people there. So if everybody <laughs> did great, they wouldn't all be there. Right. So right. have a plan, have an eating plan, have a workout plan. Don't shut your workout down in the middle of, of the holiday season. That's the worst thing you can do. And try to have a plan for your week and try to have a plan for every day. And I'm not saying be rigid. Oh, I can only have 63 calories, but say to yourself, just like you said, I'm going to have a little Turkey. I'm going to have a little mashed potatoes. I'm going to have a pretty decent piece of pie, but then I'm done, you know? And, and if I have to do something to be done, let me go take uh, two cups of coffee or let me, let me do uh, something exercise wise. It's going to shut down that need to eat more food. And, and with, and if you can stick your plan, then you're going to be, you're going to have that dopamine response. Number one, number two, the more you get used to that plan, the easier it's going to get the first few times, it's not going to be very satisfying for you, but then you're like, you're going to get home. You go like, Hey, I feel pretty good. I'm not bloated. I don't got to take five Tums tomorrow. I wake up. I feel pretty good. Hey, I can go to the gym. And then it's a positive response, but you have to have an idea of what your schedule is, what your workouts are going to be, what you're going to eat, and you got to try to stick to it. And the more you stick to it, the better you're going to get at it. Dr. Rick Lehman, thanks very much. It's going to be a good holiday season if we follow your advice. That's the hard part. Thanks a lot, Doc. 
Dr. Lehman's book is How to Raise an Athlete. You can get anywhere where you get your books. And of course, your podcast here, the Dr. Rick Podcast on Claves Online. I'm Bob Ramsey, and we'll see you next time. From our roots in St. Louis, Royal Banks of Missouri is branching out to continue serving you with our locations in St. Charles, Jerseyville, Granite City, and now in Hannibal, Center, and New London. Royal Banks of Missouri, the community bank in your community.